turn to the book of Ruth, Ruth chapter 1. It's going to take you uh, some time to find it. If you have a Bible, it's kind of hard to find. Uh, Joshua, Judges, Ruth, and if you hit First or Second Samuel, First Second Kings, you went too far. It's in the Old Testament, and if you have a phone, I would encourage you to try and find it. Uh, tonight is going to be a tad bit different, and honestly, I am super excited to see you guys came back after last week. I was a little bit nervous. Um, and when I left, I was like, I mean, after five minutes, the room was empty and it was a rip. And so I was like, I don't know if they're coming back. I mean, I'm, I'm thankful you're here tonight as we kind of wrap up this series. And tonight is going to be a little bit different. Like I said, I haven't done this in a while here. I think it's necessary and I think it's needed. Uh, we're going to cover the whole chapter of the book of Ruth, or not the whole, in the book of Ruth, the first chapter. We will cover all 22 verses tonight. I think it is extremely necessary for a few reasons. One of the reasons that uh, we're going to do this tonight is because after we have been in the series for five weeks of Friend Zone, we have talked about how to find the one. We talked about singleness. If you should be single, what should you do if uh, we talked about sex, we talked about pornography, and tonight, I mean, I feel like I have talked endlessly about relationships, and I am like out of what to say at this point, and what I feel like needs to be said is if at the end of all of this, you have walked away saying, hey, that wasn't really helpful for me. That didn't do anything for me. If you walked away each and every night and you're like, hey, you didn't answer my question or you didn't uh, address this issue or address this issue, I hope tonight is extremely helpful. It is going to be somewhat broad from a relationship standpoint, but it is specific to if you feel like uh, you're a little bit hopeless or you feel lost. And I think tonight can help a lot of people um, in the realm of relationships, but even if you would say, hey, I, I, I'm not worried about relationships, I don't give a rip about those, I don't really care, I don't have a boyfriend, girlfriend, I don't want one, don't need one, I'm in a content spot, I'm sick of talking about relationships, but... I am in a part or a season in my life where I feel extremely lost and frustrated. I hope tonight will be helpful for you because I believe you have all asked this question, what am I supposed to do when life doesn't go as planned? What am I supposed to do? And maybe uh, you have been, uh, and if I'm a betting man, not that I bet a ton, I don't know, but you, if I were willing to bet, you have been in a season where you feel stuck you feel frustrated, you feel discontent with where you are, and you don't know what to do. You don't know where you want to go, you don't know who to talk to, you don't know what that looks like for you, and if you were honest, you would say, hey, I feel like God has kind of left me out to dry. I feel a little bit misunderstood. Uh, my parents just telling me I need to do this thing in this class or date this person or marry this guy or whatever. And all I know, for some of you, you would say, I know I want to have a decent career. Um, I don't want to be miserable like the person in front of me. Maybe my parents or, you know, a brother or sister, someone who's got a ton of money. And you're like, I want a lot of money, but I don't want to be miserable. Um, I want a good marriage, uh, but I don't know how to do that. Uh, and, and you feel like... Life is not going as planned. You were hoping for some of you, I mean, I don't know, maybe you wanted to be married by 2021 for some of you crazos out there. You were thinking, I would have found the one by now or by 21, 22, whatever, wherever you're at in life, you would have thought, man, why wouldn't God just tell me what he wants me to do? Why wouldn't he just tell me? Why wouldn't he make it so clear to me? But when life does not go as planned, 
the only thing that you and I have control of is how we respond, right? It's just how we respond, what we are to do, or how we will deal with the chips that have been dealt to us. Because this is true about every single one of us tonight. We all do stupid things when we feel lost. All of us. We do stupid things. We, we do nothing. We'll just sit there and kind of hope magically you wake up one day and poof, call from God. Or you'll, you'll hide You'll kind of run, you'll do the numb thing, you'll make impulsive decisions without seeking much counsel because you feel lost. And when you feel lost, whether you are or not, it's a reality to you. It's a reality to you. You'll make deals with God when you feel lost. Um, I don't think I have ever even told my wife this story. It's not like, an, I mean, it's embarrassing, but it was, I was making deals with God and I was 20 years old and I was working uh, for my dad who uh, owns a meat shop and you cut meat there, right? And there's these saws and you're around a lot of sharp objects. It's, I mean, it's been since I was little. And I can remember feeling so lost that I was praying as I was working one day and I said, God, if you, and this is a true prayer, I mean, I think I prayed it more than once. I said, God, if you don't want me to do this and you want me to be in ministry, would I just cut my finger off or something? And I got all 10. But I believed in that moment, I was making a stupid deal with God. And even how tonight, this is where tonight can be dangerous for some of us. If I give you facts about God or facts in which he interacts with each and every one of us, if you feel lost, me communicating to you facts about him does not change the way you feel. Doesn't change that you're discouraged. Doesn't change that you are exhausted about having conversations. And it doesn't change that you don't know what to do. You just don't. And I hope, I am very hopeful tonight, if you feel lost, if you feel stuck, whether in a relationship, in a career, in your decisions you've made, in your friendships, wherever you are, if you feel lost, I am very hopeful and prayerful that tonight will be helpful for you. Because if it's not, uh, I don't know. But uh, we'll be in Ruth chapter 1. Again, like I said, uh, tonight is a little bit different. I want you to have a phone. I want you to have something because uh, I'm going to read a lot, which gets a little hairy sometimes. But uh, when we're lost, my first point tonight is everything feels hopeless. Ruth 1 verse 1 says this, In the days when judges ruled, there was a famine in the land. And a man of Bethlehem in Judea and Judah went to sojourn in the country of Moab, he and his wife and his two sons. The name of the man was Elimelech, and the name of his wife, Naomi. And the names of the two sons were Malon and Kilion. They were Ephraphites, I don't even know how to say that, from Bethlehem in Judea. I'm getting somewhere. They went to the country of Moab and remain there. So everything's peachy. It's great. I mean, you got uh, a perfect family set up. You got the wife. You got the two kids, the husband, white picket fence. They're set up in uh, Bethlehem. They're traveling. They're kind of doing their thing and everything, everything's great. But Elimelech, the husband of Naomi, died and she was left with her two sons. These took Moabite wives and which we'll talk about later. The names of the one was Orpha, and the name of the other, Ruth. They lived there about 10 years. Some of us, uh, you have been through a season where you feel frustrated, you feel lost, and you have made it about 10 minutes. 
and you are freaking out because you don't know what to do. You've been alone, single for six months, and you have no idea what is going to happen to me. Ten years. I know how it goes. And, and both Malon and Kilion died. So you got this woman, Naomi. She is extremely godly. She has a perfect setup setting. She has her family. Everything is peachy. Her husband dies. We don't know how he dies, but he dies. Wait a couple years. You would think that God would bless her or he should bless her, but he does not. What does he do? He allows her two sons to die so that the woman was left without her two sons and her husband. Here is the reality when we feel hopeless. When we feel lost or when we're lost, we feel hopeless. And Naomi is in this setting, like I said, she has this family and God starts to take things from her. He starts to allow bad things to happen to her. Bad things that she would not pick. And we could talk about tonight and why God allows bad things to happen to good people or what we would appear as good people, or the problem of evil. But here is my point tonight and what I would like to press. Feeling lost and being lost are two different things. For a lot of you, a fe- the feeling and emotion of being lost is frustrating, it is all-consuming, it is what you think about, and you typically feel lost when things are uncertain. Whether you don't even know if you're going to have school next semester or this semester. Whether the relationship with your significant other is kind of in the balances. When we feel lost in our minds, we become actually lost. And we forget, we forget that God sometimes, not every time, sometimes sends you to the desert. He allows it. And it's in Matthew 4.1. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. If you believe you are in a season of dryness or lostness, whether you feel like you have been single for 10 years and you said, no, 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 Mike, it was not 10 minutes. I have been single for 10 years and I have no idea what is going to happen. I am very scared I will be lonely with cats my entire life. You said, it's a reality, it's not a feeling anymore, it's not an emotion, it is where I am. Or you believe that you have been pressing and calling out to God, but you believe that you are in the wilderness, and you believe that you have called out to him, and the only thing, the only response that you get back or that I get back is what? Numbness. Just don't feel anything. I haven't, thought, I mean, I tried to raise my hand that one time in that worship song, and it went south, I was actually talking to a friend of mine who was, new. it was the second time at church. He's like, hey, Duma, what's this? I said, huh? He said, you know this. I kept seeing this and this and this and this. And I was like, I don't know. We're weird, bro. You should just come back. Like, it's kind of crazy. But anyway, total side note. Um, when we feel lost, we forget that God sent, sent Jesus into the wilderness. And I believe he does so for you. And I believe he does so for me. I don't like it. I don't want it. I, I don't like anything about the wilderness. But when things do not hurt, it does not allow me to grow. Does not allow me to grow. And you and I usually listen to God more when we are lost. When we feel like we're lost, when we are in a season of dryness, 
we are now able or more typically able to hear and to listen from God. Because if nothing is wrong, why would I need him? If everything is great, a lot of times I will drift towards complacency. Complacency. And a lot of times God will allow the conversation to go super south, your parents to be extremely frustrated with your decisions, you to feel sometime, some type of consequence from our decisions. And I believe in those moments, God pushes us down so that we would be able to cry out. Because when I'm doing great, I don't need God. I don't, I don't need, there's certain things in life that I live, I just don't feel like I need him that much. I don't, I don't need him in certain areas, in certain conversations. I don't feel that way. So what God will do, because he is so loving and so gracious, he will allow emptiness and wilderness type seasons. When you feel lost or when we are lost, everything seems hopeless. Number two, this is what we do. We push people away. I'm going to read uh, verses 6 to 14, and I'm probably going to stop a lot, but that's the goal here. Then she rose with her daughters-in-law to return to the country of Moab, which is not a good sign. Um, I'll get to to why. For For she had heard in the fields of Moab that the Lord had visited the people and given them food. So she, she's just hungry, which is legit. She, so she set out from the place where she was with her two daughters-in-law, and they went on the way to return to the land of Judah. But Naomi said to her daughters, so here we go, said to her daughters-in-law, go return each of you to her mother's house, and may the Lord deal kindly with you as you have dealt with the dead and with me. So she is on a journey. She's returning to Moab. In this time, if you were a widow, you were better off homeless. You would be in the streets. Nobody would talk to you. You'd have no food. You would have no clothing, no shelter. You were, you were pretty screwed if you were a widow, more so even then than you are now. And what she is saying, you guys need to leave me because when things go south, what do you and I do? We just push. We just push people away. I mean, it is way easier for me to just kind of hang out with me. I like it better. It's more, it's more efficient. I don't have to have weird conversations with people I don't want to have. How you doing? Good. What's up? Same. Same as last month, bro. I don't have to have those. I don't want those. So what do we do? Just like Naomi, when we feel lost, we just we push people away, which I, I respect that. I respect that. Verse 9, then the Lord grant you that you may find rest, each of you, in the house of her husband. And then she kissed them, and they lifted up their voices, and they wept. I'll bring that up later. And they said to her, no, we will return with you to your people. And when you are in a dry season or you are in a lonely season, the harder you push, right, the harder God sends. The harder you push people out of your life, because God is loving, you will have someone who is extremely annoying. Extremely annoying because they love you. And some of you are like, is this my mom? I feel like that's my mom. She's always on my back. I don't don't know. You're pushing people away. 
What verse was I at? 11. But Naomi said, turn back, my daughters. Why will you go with me? Have I yet sons in my womb that you may become, that may become your husbands? Turn back, my daughters. Go your way, for I am too old to have a husband. If I should say I have hope, even if I should have, ha- have a husband this night and should bear sons, would you therefore wait till they are grown? It's a legit question. By, by these two women committing to Naomi, she is saying, if you stay with me, the rest of your life is ruined. It's ruined. I have too many scars. I have too many, too many issues with my past because I am a widow. I'm not getting pregnant. I mean, she's probably a grandma at this point. There's no way it's happening. And if I do get pregnant, she's like, are you going to wait till you can marry them? It's, it's illogical and irrational. It's unwise for you to stay with me. And I believe you have said that to someone at some time. Because I have. I'll make a statement where, hey, it is safer if you go your way, I will go my way. I got too much baggage. I got too many issues. I'm a little bit crazy. And the people I know, they will cause issues for you if you stay with me. And Ruth knows that and believes that. And she is pushing them out of her life. Because not only is it wise, it is best for them. It is a pure motive from Ruth. Verse 13, would you therefore wait till they are grown? Would you therefore refrain from marrying? She answers the question, no, my daughters, for it is exceedingly bitter for me and for your sake that the hand of the Lord has gone out against me. If you underline in your Bible, if you believe in that, um, I think you should, but I would underline exceedingly bitter. When you are bitter in your life, you can't get that nasty taste out of your mouth. You can't get it out. It's kind of all, I mean, after you, it's like nasty. After you brush your teeth, it's still there. Your breath still stinks. It's exceedingly bitter. She said, not for you, but for me. She says, it is worse for you if you hang out with me. It will cause you more pain and more strife. In verse 14, then they lifted up their voices and wept again. And Orpha kissed her mother-in-law, but Ruth clung to her. few things I would like to say. Number one, life is easier alone for a season. It always is. It's more, like I said, it's more efficient. It's a little bit more enjoyable, but it's always for a season. And I don't feel like I need much convincing. I believe that you would already believe that without me saying about the Bible, without me talking about experience. But as Naomi is pushing these people away, which is reasonable for her. Ruth is pressing back in and Orpha is pressing back in, but Orpha kisses her, goes her way, but Ruth clung to her. Why is that significant? When it says they wept with her, when you are in a dry season and you feel lonely and you feel lost, sometimes, and I'm not much of a big crier, I I mean, I count on one hand maybe how many times I've cried, but sometimes you need somebody to cry with or to weep with. You need somebody who you can call out to and cry out to. It says in Proverbs 18.1, whoever isolates himself seeks his own desire and breaks out against all sound judgment. When Mike is alone by himself, that is when Mike is the dumbest. 
Yeah, it's, I mean, and, and the principle is, is, is across the board, but all of us have a form of dumbness, do we not? Uh, if you want to see me try and fix something, like, I don't, I mean, not even fix anything, hang a picture, move a couch, something that needs, that's finesse, to be gentle, uh, anything like that, I lose all form of common sense every single time. I will put a hole in the wall, um, I'll be like, you wanted it moved, didn't you? Like, I'll just become really, really dumb. And when I am by myself, uh, I will always rationalize, like, no, 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 you got it, you got it, bro. And I'll do it, and then it becomes an argument, and now I'm never allowed to hang a picture again in my life, per Hope Duma. But, <laughs> spiritually, it's the same way. When I am by myself, there are seasons and forms of my loneliness where I will evolve to dumbness. And when I am alone and when I am most lonely is when I become the exception. I'll say things like this. I know somebody needs to know, but it's okay right now. And this phrase I believe is, that, that we need to talk about is this. I don't want to talk about it is fine for a moment, but not a way to live. I don't want to talk about it. It's okay for a moment. And I want to be very, very clear. You should never open up to everybody. That will get very weird very quick. If I started opening up all my junk in my mail, you guys would be like, we got to get out of this sucker. Like, it'd just get really weird. I'm crying, snot, the whole bit. I don't, anyway. Um, but there should be one person. Not everybody should know everything about you, but one person should. And as Ruth clings to Naomi, I believe that we need to ask the question, number one, who does God want me to cling to? Who does he want me to say, hey, I'm, I'm here for you? If you're in a great season, you're like, why are we talking about deserts, man? It's October. I got flannels, pumpkin spices. I, I mean, I'm feeling great. I got Kenny Chesney. I mean, I'm doing great. Ain't no wilderness for me. If that would be you, then you need to ask yourself the question, because my glass is so full, who do I need to be there so that when they fall and as they are falling, I can catch them? And who do I need to say, hey, I want to let you know I am here for you. I believe I have missed many, many opportunities because I did not make that statement, I am here for you no matter what. And I like how Ruth has this conversation, or Naomi has this with Ruth, because it's like what you and I do. When I start to open up to someone, what do we do? Because we're kind of testing them out. I'll test them with a little bit of the truth, just to see right? I won't tell them everything. That, that'd be too wild. I'll tell them just a hair to see how they will respond with the initial truth. And if they respond well, then they get the whole truth. So Ruth, this is what she does. Ruth and Naomi, as she initially says, hey, you guys should just, you should go. You should go. It's safer for you. It's better for me. I will die alone. I would rather die alone. Some of you are like, I have said that I will die alone. <laughs> you will die alone. And someone says, hey, no, 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 I, I want to I stay. And she's like, no, you should go. No, you should go. Hey, no, 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 we want to stay. And eventually, Naomi's like screaming at him. You won't get married. I'm not having kids. I'm too old. She's slamming doors. I imagine that's how the conversation went. And Orpha, I mean, she's like, sweet, I'm out. Deuces. Ruth says, I'm going nowhere. She clung to her. And this story 
is less about Ruth and Naomi and more about how God works in dark seasons. Because the fulfillment of what takes place between Ruth and Naomi, and I'm not going to go Bible nerd on any of you guys because I don't want to do you dirty like that, but I would like to and explain how this story is so significant and how Ruth decides to be that for Naomi changes all of history for this, not just this woman, but how Christ will come. And I believe we miss out on miracles taking place or be, and a miracle taking place is simply maybe you just being there for someone, just being there. And when we feel lost, God sends people our way, which is my next point. 15, and she said, she's still playing with her. See, your sister-in-law has gone back to her people and to her gods. Return after your sister-in-law. Come on, Naomi. She ain't going nowhere. She bought the suitcase. She is putting the clothes in the drawer. She's saying, you need to go. I'm going to die alone. I mean, it's, it's intense. And as she's doing this, just like most of you would do, you don't want to ruin someone else's life because you feel like you have too much what? Baggage. Verse 16. But Ruth said, and this is where it ends, Do not urge me to leave you or to return from following you. For where you go, I will go. And where you lodge, I will lodge. Your people shall be my people and your God, my God. And this is where, I mean, it's like get the tombstones out. When you die, I will die. And there I will be buried. May the Lord do so to me and more also if anything but death parts me from you. And when Naomi saw that she was determined to go with her, she said, no more. This is where God sends people our way. And this is the the weird thing. A lot of times you are in a dry season crying out for God to talk to you, to be there for you, to minister to you. But we are unable and our eyes are not open enough to realize he has sent his bride which is the body of Christ. So he has sent someone your way. And it'll be, you, you won't really think it's super spiritual. It'll be, a super, it'll be a weird text. Praying for you. Huh? Thanks. You'll like the, the text. It'll be really subtle. And for us to give us eyes to see, eventually, Eventually, when we talked about when God talks to you, that series we did, and how God speaks through people, not that someone holds thus saith the Lord, but rather it is a shoulder to cry on. And the question I'm asking is this, are you able to see the people God is sending to you? Are you able? Do you have eyes to see? God, who have you put in front of me? Who have you put in my path? As I am in a wilderness season, you have sent people my way. I am constantly pushing them out of my life. You seek to minister to me. And when we are in dark seasons or when we are in seasons where we feel lost or feel alone, what is the number one dumb thing that I do? As I kind of come back to this point. I numb it by just not really addressing the issue. I'll scroll a little bit longer. I'll watch a little bit longer. I can't handle the what? Silence. 
I can't sleep. I'm struggling to sleep, so I'll just stay up until 2.33 in the morning till I collapse because I can't handle what's inside my head, so I numb how God is trying to communicate to me. And it says in Galatians 6.2, carry one another's burdens. <clears throat> As I read that, number one, whose burden am I to carry? Whose burden? God, I don't think it's everybody. I can't do that. I don't want to do that. Um, and whose burden do you want me to call out to so they can carry mine? And not that you should seek to have a bunch of friends. I don't think you should have that many friends. It says in Pro friends, Proverbs 18, a, a man of many companions comes to ruin, but a friend who sticks closer than a brother is what we need. A friend who sticks closer to the brother. You don't, I don't have that many friends. I need one or two or three good ones that I can fall back on. And as God sends people my way, I need to say, God, who do you want me to fall on? And who am I to be there for? Number four, we allow our past to become our identity when you feel lost. So the two of them went until they came to Bethlehem. This is no bueno. Um, when they're going back, uh, here, here's why this is signif significant. They were there. They had the white picket fence. You can remember earlier on in the chapter, they had everything, the family, the kids, the grandkids, the pictures on the wall, and then dad died. And then the two sons died, so they dipped because it would not be culturally acceptable. And they decide to go back. And when you decide to go back with people you have bad beef with, or you go back to your high school, or you go back to your college friends, or you hang out with certain friends, what is your biggest fear? They remember me how I used to be. They remember. They know everything. So you're worried initially. You're already kind of anxious of what they're going to say. Not to you, no. They will text someone about you, and they will talk about you. You don't know that, but you know that. You believe. They're at Starbucks talking hours and hours and hours about you and how crazy you are and how crazy your ex-boyfriend was and blah, 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 blah. So this is what takes place. And when they came to Bethlehem, the whole town was what? Stirred. So everybody's freaking out. They're back. Oh, my gosh. No way. Why are they here? Uh, uh, and just, and you can imagine as they come back, you imagine, and I don't know what this looks like, I'm conjecture here, walking down, it's like at, back at school when you would walk down the, the hallway and the, everyone's like, did you hear what he did last night? Like, and you're just kind of depressed and everyone's, and you can feel the shame. It's not in your head. You can hear them talking about you. Your ears are on fire. The whole town is stirred because of them. And the woman said, is that Naomi? Man, she even calls her out. Just gossip starting to take place. Just all of that. And if you feel lost, if you are hurting, when someone hurts you, you respond typically a million times worse than you typically do. Because you're already hurt. And there's a principle that takes place you need to remember, and this is a total side note. Hurting people hurt people. Always. People who are hurting seek to hurt someone. And so this 
as they're kind of showing up back on the scene, single mom, got the daughter-in-law. It ain't even her daughter. That's why she was trying to get her out of there. Not even her daughter. And the daughter-in-law is with them. And it's like, what are these two chicks doing back? Is that Naomi? And this is what she says. Do not call me Naomi. Why? Call me Mara, for the Almighty has dealt very bitterly with me. I went away full, and the Lord has brought me back empty. Why call me Naomi? For the Lord has testified against me, and the Almighty has brought calamity upon me. So Naomi, verse 22, returned to Ruth, the Moabite, her daughter-in-law, who returned from the country of Moab, and they came to Bethlehem at the beginning of the barley harvest. It's a problem that she's a Moabite because she wasn't supposed to, the, the kids weren't supposed to marry a Moabite. You ain't allowed to do that. That's like marrying someone out of the camp. She's already with this Moabite woman. There's controversy started. They're like, she came back with her son's old wife, who is a Moabite, and they're coming back at the beginning of the barley harvest. They left at the famine. When everything was drought, they have nothing to eat. And this is when they show up. They show up, come walking right down. They're actually just hungry, right? They probably just want some food. They want some shelter. They want actual needs. But here's what's true. When you feel lost and somebody starts to say something about you, Naomi doesn't even give her a chance. She says, don't call me Naomi. You call me Mara, for the Lord has dealt bitterly with me. Her past or the things that have happened to her has become her identity. And uh, because I need to illustrate this well, uh, some of you have seen this, and this is, we'll see how this goes. Um, this is a windshield, and I've used this before for those of you who have seen it, and it says on it, past. And I don't know how this is going to go, but anyway, we'll play it by ear. This says past, and when your past becomes your identity, this is what it looks like. It's broken, it's dirty, it's scuffed up, and when it becomes your identity, it becomes all that you see. So when I go to read the Bible, I'll have this up here and I'll say, yeah, I know it says that I'm a child of God and he's forgiven me, but you don't know about my past. Yeah, I know that this is supposed to be forgiven by God, but I can't not see my past. Or you'll be in relationships and someone will try to extend trust to you, but you will say, you don't know about my past. And it becomes everything I see, all that I see, and all-consuming. And the devil has a heyday with you and I. It's not my rearview mirror anymore. It is the front windshield of my life. Past means I'll drive past that person's house and I will start to feel extreme guilt or shame because now my past becomes my future. Shame. This is another point I have. Shame is usually, usually self-inflicted. Usually self-inflicted. It is not coming from the town. They are stirred, but it is her past that she brings up and that we often bring up. It is what we cannot unsee. And when our past 
becomes all that we see and everything we are. I can't communicate well with God. I can't communicate well with other people. People will try to forgive me. They'll try to say, Mike, I no longer care about that. And I'll say, but you don't know about my past. You'll be in a relationship and someone will try to extend trust to you and try to open up to you, but you remember your past. And shame that you feel is usually not from God. When you come to Christ, he freely forgives you, extends forgiveness. His arm is not short that he cannot save. He forgives you. He calls you. When you come to Christ, fully, freely forgiven, shameless, guiltless. But the shame I feel when I drive down East Market is not from God. It is from me. Man, what if they knew about that? Man, I forgot about that one situation with that one kid. Man, I forgot about this that took place over there and I lost a lot of money. And I forgot about this and I did that one thing there. Shame is self-inflicted. So real quick, I would like to end with three helpful practical tips. Number one, if your life is not going as planned, expect God to show up in his time. If you are in a season where you feel like God has been silent, distant, you don't hear him, you don't feel him, you're in the wilderness, Ruth and Naomi, I I, I mean, I might finish the book just because I'm in it now later on, but it's just so good to where God shows up in his time and he does something miraculous with a man named Boaz and Ruth, and God restores, redeems, changes, transforms everything in his time. Number two, remember that God's way of fixing life is different than our way. If you were God, what would you do? You would say, man, I would, I mean, it would be a lot easier, my life. Um, I would not be taking classes right now. Um, I would not have exams. I wouldn't have had this past hurt. I wouldn't have done this. I wouldn't have done this. But God's timing is what? Perfect. I know that here. Man, but so often does not change the way I feel. Number three, don't allow your past to determine your future. She had come into my office. It was Monday at 1.15. She sat down. And she started to explain her situation. It was extremely sad. It was extremely real. And I explained to her how God can forgive her. Not just a theoretical thing in your head, but real life. Change your life, change your eternity and your future. And she started to say, yes, but. Yes, but you don't know this. You don't know about this. You don't know about this. So what did I do after we talked for about an hour? I said, I gave her a Bible, and I flipped it to Romans 10.9. She said, I am not ready to receive Christ because of X, Y, and Z. And it was all dealing with past and hurt and guilt and shame. And I know you say God forgives, but this is a different case, Michael. Gave her Romans 10.9, and I said this phrase. I believe you are going to receive Christ today. And I want you to know how to receive Christ and what the gospel is. That God is holy and perfect, that we are sinners. Nobody has an issue with that. We are messed up people. Every person I talk to, yup. 
Jesus is the only way. He dies on the cross and he rose again from the dead. Romans 10, 9, you have to respond to Jesus. You either reject him or you receive him. Today, I got a text message that said, Mike, I want to let you know I received Christ today in my truck by myself. Romans 10, 9. God can forgive you. He wants to forgive you. But the pain and the past you feel is typically just from who? You. It says in 2 Corinthians 12, 9, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. When I have an elevated view of myself, God is unable to speak to me. When I feel like I am just the man, just killing it. First off, I have to talk to my wife. She reminds me I'm not that big of a deal. Then I have to remind myself reality. And then I have to say, I have to humble myself so God can speak to me. Let me pray for you guys. As we pray, what I would like to do is read Psalm or Isaiah 55. It says this. Come, everyone who thirsts, come to the waters. And he who has no money, come, buy, and eat. Come, buy wine and milk without money and without price. Why do you spend your money for that which is not bread, and your labor that which does not satisfy? Listen diligently to me, and eat what is good, and delight yourselves in rich food. Incline your ear and come to me. Hear that your soul may live. And I will make you an everlasting covenant, my steadfast, sure love for David. Behold, I made him a witness to the people, a leader and a commander for the peoples. Behold, you shall call a nation that you do not know, and a nation that did not know that you shall run to you. Behold, the Lord your God and the Holy One of Israel, for he has glorified you. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. The Bible says, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. God, I believe that there are many of us who are struggling, that are maybe in a wilderness type season, whether it be in relationships or whether it be just in direction, discerning your will and your call for our life. And we're maybe a little bit frustrated, a little bit confused. I don't know how to discern your voice right now. I don't know how to discern your direction right now. But all I know is that when I feel lost, I'm probably not. I probably just need to trust you as you direct my path. And God, for those of us here tonight who are in that place, I pray that we would call out to you and you make the promise, 
you are near. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you guys stand as we sing one more song?